The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash the Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CANDIDFRAME at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. This is X, and this is The Candid Frame. There are a lot of different ways that lead people to pick up a camera. Some of us are introduced to the camera while we're still kids, either from a parent or, or at school. Others discover photography later in life with the birth of children or the beginning of retirement. For some, they knew it was going to be a big part of their lives from the very beginning, while others came to it more slowly, almost accidentally. For photographer Donato De Camilla, his early interest in photography didn't automatically result in a career as a photographer. Instead, his life in a working-class neighborhood in New York led him to make some bad choices which culminated in a criminal conviction and jail time. But it was his time in the system that ended up being the best thing in the world for Donato when it came to his photography. After being released from prison and during his time under house arrest, he reignited his interest in photography, learning from books and magazines and watching videos on YouTube. So when he was finally able to get out of the house, he took the camera out to the streets of New York, the streets that he had come to know so well. The result is a body of work that is very personal, with Donato photographing communities and people that are often ignored and relegated to the fringes. But he does this with a compassion and a love that makes his photographs beautiful, respectful, and intimate. All right, well, Donato, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a real pleasure, pleasure to have you. Yes, it's my pleasure, really. Yeah, you've been popping up uh, a variety of different areas recently, which is what spurred me to, to give you a call. Uh, a guest had recommended you, and, and as well as just seeing some other stuff on the on the interwebs. And uh, it seems to be a real good time for you right now. It see, it seems so. Yeah, it's 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 a it's something of a phenomenon. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm very uh, I'm a very humble guy about my work. I, I don't uh, I don't. I don't really boast about any any of my work at all. I'm, I'm not that type. I'm always uh, I'm always seeking to learn off others more more than I, I'm more I'm more inclined to 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 look at others' work and uh, learn off of others rather than show mine. For some reason, you know, besides on Instagram feeds and things like that, but. Yeah, it's it's been something else. It's been something, some some ride in these last past week. Well, let's get started with you, with you growing up. You grew up in Bensonhurst in uh, in New York and uh, during the during the seventies. Yeah, and t- tell us about that that time in your life. What was it like growing up in in New York? Because New York is a very different place than it was back then. But give us color, paint a picture for us of what it was like. What was life for you like uh, back then? Well, it, it was a beautiful neighborhood. Na- I mean, it was a beautiful neighborhood as far as uh, the people, you know, the people were concerned. 
my neighbors and, and uh, the people that resided in, in that area, that they were very friendly. They were kind. It was mostly predominantly uh, Italian, a mix of Italian, uh, Irish. Um, you know, it, it, it was a basic, it was, it was basically little Italy, but there was a mixture of, uh, of, every, you know, every ethnicity there, but mostly Italian and, and Irish hardworking blue collar, blue collar, uh, kind of, uh, workers. And your dad was a longshoreman? Yes, he was. He was a longshoreman for 39 years. When I look at your work and I see the videos, you have a real connection with people. Right. And I'm wondering whether that was just the, the result of just how you, your family was with each other or just, just the way that people were with each other in the community that you grew up in. Uh, no, it was actually, it was quite opposite. My family, my family is uh, very quiet. Uh, my dad worked long hours, you know, to make ends meet. We, we lived, we lived very meager means. And, uh, so he had to do what he had to do to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the communication, it was, it was very, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was very limited because he'd come home late and when he was coming home, I was going to sleep, getting ready for school. Yeah. But it, I, I think, I think where my, my personality and, and, and the way I am with people really derived from, uh, the curiosities outside my, my own family. I was always curious about, other cultures and and how other people lived because I was I I came from a, an ethnic background an Italian ethnic background we spoke Italian and for some time I felt uh, like quite quite the outsider if you will even yeah. though even though it was a, a, an Italian neighborhood you know the schools were still full of uh, you know in you know american americanized kids kids that spoke proper english i spoke with a with a broken italian accent and my family you know kind of dressed me funny because uh, in italy it was it was a much more laid back you know type of uh, lifestyle and uh, they just didn't know the, the you know the 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 hip styles of 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 those days so it, it it was it was trying times as a child growing up in that area because you know it, being bullied and and stuff like that. But mm. it, it wasn't all in vain because I got to know how to deal with people. You know, it it taught me to navigate around certain personalities. I guess you know. One of the things I was reading that your first introductions to photography were um, photo magazines that or magazines that your dad would bring. Yes, uh, bring home. Tell, tell tell us about that. It was it was interesting. You know, like I said, uh, you know, my father wasn't. You know, the only papers he bought was the Italian newspaper, and uh, he knew that I loved social studies and. and uh, I would watch, like, I don't know, back then, I guess it was Nova, you know, it was about science. I, I loved science and, and anthropology and the, and the study of people, uh, you know, around around the world. And he saw that I took to that on television. And um, there was a woman on on our block that, that threw away, you know, Reader's Digest, Lifetime magazines, things like that, National Geographic. And he would take the bundles. She would tie them up neatly in bundles and, and, and bring them home for me and say, hey, you, you know, you want to read them? And I, and I would always, you know, be excited like he bought me home a toy hmm. because I really enjoyed looking at the photographs. And I think subconsciously that left a seed, uh, you know, it planted a seed of curiosity 
for me, you know, and on how and how these pictures were executed and, and uh, what other people were like around the world. I felt I was in a bubble kind of, you know, I was in this this little area, but there was so much more out there. And I was always, always curious about people and, and and the ways and their ways, I guess. Was, but it was part of the fact that you didn't feel like you fit in where you were kind of yeah. feeding yes. to that? That that had part to do with it too, you know, um, the feeling of, of being isolated and, and, and wanting to understand people was, I think, I think was one of the catalysts that, that pushed me into wanting to, to know more about people, yeah. I guess. Well, you started getting into trouble when you were about 12 years old. Um, what, what was that about and what kind of trouble did you end up finding yourself in? When I was, you know, it, it, it started like, it started like, I mean, it, it would probably be like a typical story of, you know, uh, kids in a playing ball in the schoolyard. For me, it was not, you know, I wasn't very good at sports or I was very shy and I really didn't, I didn't really, uh, I didn't make myself available for, you know, to, to be picked for the sports often. But, and when I did, I wasn't picked because I really wasn't that that good but in any case it would it's probably started like in the schoolyards where I would begin uh, to have uh, been been bullied and then one time I had just fought back and um, you know it it just started snowballing from there I started started kind of uh, bucking the system if you will you know that's that that's where it started when you were about 12 year, years old, you started finding yourself in trouble. Right. So I was kind of curious as to how that manifested itself. Yeah, it started in, in grade school, you know, like I said, because of my heritage and my Italian upbringing and my, my accent and the fact that I wasn't good in school, uh, good in school and uh, good in sports. You know, I was picked on and, and probably set aside. And uh, I felt like I, I felt like kind of an outcast, I guess, if mm -hmm. you will. So um, that that probably caused me to get into some, you know, some arguments with kids that, you know, the bullies uh, picked on me, you know, for a long time, I suffered in silence till till I just I just had enough. And, and, it, and it was it was time to, to fight back. And, and that's what happened. I fought back. And that that was the that was the, the breaking point where I became, I started becoming more of this aggressive, a more aggressive guy with, yeah. when it came to defending myself. And you got you started getting involved in, in crimes and things like that then too, as well? <laughs> well, back then, you know, my family, like I said, my dad worked long hours. My mom worked as a seamstress, you know, in a, in a local, I mean, it, we could call it a sweatshop. Yeah, they don't, they don't exist much anymore because they're probably overseas now. But years ago, there were, there were plenty of immigrants that, that, that migrated from other countries and they, they had them work them in, in like dress factories and such. You know, my mother would make gloves and, and, and seam, and, you know, uh, sew seams to dresses. And so that's where she would find work. Yeah, it, it, we didn't have much money, so I wanted some of the things that everyone else had. Like I wanted, to, I wanted to fit in. So that, I guess that's where it began. Wanting to, wanting to feel like one of the guys, you know, and having what other people had. And eventually, that ended up uh, resulting in you going, uh, being charged and, and convicted of, uh, of some criminal 
criminal stuff that uh which- yeah you could, you could say it it was a it was an organized crime case it, it was you know it, there was always a, an element of uh you know the criminal element around it, it was apparent you know growing up well you know it would always watch the guys with the fancy cars and i looked up to them i wanted to be like that and uh and it, just like in a like in the movies you know uh I followed suit, and um, I fell into and into that type of type of behavior, you know, trying to find a way, trying to find a, a spot in the world, a place where I felt I, I belonged. You know, I guess it would be as like if you know how these gang members feel like they belong, like they to a family outside their family. Um, I felt welcomed. I, I didn't feel like an outsider, and I felt like when I was with them. I wouldn't be picked on anymore, and I felt like one of the cool guys. No, I, I you know, completely get it because everything that you're talking about, I completely relate to. I, I didn't grow up in New York, but I grew up in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. My parents were were working class parents. My dad, you know, worked. My mom stayed at home. Um, and I saw a lot of the same things that that you were seeing and experiencing on the on the West Coast. And I was like, why right on that line of sort of getting into trouble and not getting into trouble. And I think one of the reasons I didn't get into trouble with so many of the other kids that uh, were going to school with me was just, I just ended up finding myself in a library and just having people that were kind of supportive of me enough that I didn't get sucked up into all that stuff where right. a lot of my friends ended up being. And right. uh, so, you know, it's, it's, I understand that fine line about how you can end up being you know, on either side of that fence as a result of the fact that you're just trying to sort of survive and keep yourself safe. And if you don't have someone there who has your back, you, right. know, you end up making some, some bad choices. Hey, look, we all make bad choices. You know, uh, I, the choices I made were, were, you know, obviously there weren't the right choices. But, you know, now that I look, you know, I look back, I'm glad I made some of the choices that I made because it taught me a lot about life and how to how to navigate through a lot of situations where no school would ever taught me. Well, as a result of uh, your conviction, it ends up being like the best thing for you photographically. Why don't you tell us about about how that manifests itself? Because that's really sort of the most interesting part of your story. Yeah, I guess you know. You know, you know when they use that phrase "street smarts," I really, I truly believe in 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 that in that term. You know, being street smart is 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 probably uh, you know supersedes being book smart in some aspect because you learn how to 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 read people. You learn uh, the psychology of people without even having to open a book. I mean, for crying out loud, I, I knew how to read people's body language. At the age of uh, 11, 12, 13 years old, I was already able to tell if somebody, if somebody was going to approach me in a, in, you know, in a, in, 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 in a bad way or, or a good way. I mean, I guess, I guess it's, uh, you, 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 you become very aware. Your eyes are wide open and your antennas are all the way up. And uh, you could you could kind of feel out a situation. So uh, I implement that in my photography today, and it's and it's uh, it's proven to be very effective. So, but how did you end up sort of revisiting your interest in photography? Because you started when I was reading, you began sort of training yourself while you were still, you know. Um, well, uh, I was locked up in the, in the, I was on house arrest, and uh, 
you know, uh, there was nothing to do. I, I was, I was going, I was bouncing off the walls practically. And I started reading before, I believe, you know, and and surfing the web. And this time, at this time, I, Facebook. I don't even believe I was. I don't even think Facebook was. I don't even think I was on Facebook yet in 2011. When I when I when I got arrested in in 2008, I don't even think Facebook was a big deal. I, at least I never heard of it, or I didn't have any interest in, in things like that, or the web or anything like that. But uh, that's when I started, you know, uh, researching uh, articles on uh, photographers and uh, photography, and I just, you know, just out of not that I wanted to, it just kind of stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was prior to going to prison. But when I had found that, that there was a, a way to, to learn about photography online through the YouTube channels and watching people actually execute their work while watching, you know, uh, a YouTube uh, publication, it, to me, it was, it was an easier way than having to, to go to you know, and actually read and, and, you know, I could see it online and and it was easier for me. So, you know, I took a lot of time uh, doing that, going through um, YouTube publications and uh, tutorials, you know, and, and then in in prison, I also found magazines as well, you know, and, and, and did a lot of uh, research through that. And what would you practice? In, what would you practice photography on? Because right now you're known for all, a lot of your street work, but as you said, you were under house arrest. So, what were the, the initial subject matter that you kind of focused on? Um, I bought myself. Well, my family had, had uh, well, my family had helped me. My sister had bought a uh, an old. Uh, well, now it's not. It's not that old, but it's a a Canon uh, a Canon uh, DSLR, like a. Uh, you know, one of those rebel cam cameras. I bought a, a macro lens because I read a little bit about macro and uh, started taking pictures of uh, insects and like close objects, things that were, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, very available in the, in the circumference of uh, the 120 foot radius that I had. So that's basically what I took pictures of, uh, you know, mostly insects, plants, and things of that nature. Do you feel like being limited in that way in terms of where you could go to photograph was, was a good thing for you? Well, it, it helped me. It helped me stay focused on, you know, it, it. It helped me. It helped me really concentrate on on the settings, you know, and and, and you know because. Every 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 tutorial I went through said, you know, you must shoot on manual, you know, if you want to learn the camera, you know, if you really want to know your camera, start shooting manually and, and learn the settings and what they could do and your apertures and, and, and all that and all that technical stuff. And, and that's what I did. And I made plenty of mistakes and the photos were horrible, but it was OK. It gave it kept me busy. So. It was fine by me. At what point did you start taking to the to the streets? Soon as they said I was able to go out of the house, it was it was a, it was I can tell you it was a beautiful feeling. And when they let when my 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 probation officer actually he was taken back by me because he actually came for a visit and he saw all my all my gear on the table and he was like, "What are you What are you doing here?" You know, I I I bought uh, some. Um, 
you know, I bought some courses from online, stacks of books, you know, from Magnum and, you know, National Geographic and other other publications, all type of life, you know, Time Magazine, Life, you know, all issues of these books I've been buying for, for photography books. And he's like, what do you want to be? A, uh, what do you be, be a photographer? Like, you know, he's clowning around mm-hmm. me. And I, and I looked at him with a dead face and I said, yes, this is what I, I like. I can, is there something wrong with that? And he said, no. He said, do you want to go out? And I said, sure. And, and I, and he let me out. And when I went out, it was just like, it was just, it was just like, like every nerve in my body was awakened, you know, because I was out for the first time walking the street and it was, it was just at the same time I was, I was nervous and, but at the same time I was just very excited. How, How long had you been under house arrest when you finally had the chance to go out? Uh, when I came home, uh, it was, <laughs> you know, they, they, they push you to, to get employment. So I got employment and right after employment, I had to come home. But then what happened was I had a bad spell. I had, I had gotten hurt on the job, which I had arranged from, from being incarcerated. I had gotten a construction job for me waiting for me to come home. I had gotten the construction job and like three months or four months down the line. Um, I, I used to take my camera to work, but there was really, really hardly any time to take, take any photos. But in any case, um, a load fell on my foot and crushed my foot. Oh, so that put me out. And then like a, like a couple of weeks later, while I was laid up in my house now because of my foot, you know, this depression setting in, I found out that I had some uh, some cancer growing in my bladder, which really threw me for a loop. And um, that became, you know, that that became a more mental, you know, men- it was a, it, it was just it just it just kind of crushed me mentally. Yeah, it, it gave me more time to focus on something out outside of the problems that that were occurring. Uh, I'd like to say, thank God, you know, the, the cancer and everything wound up being a, a lower grade cancer. They scooped it out and everything's okay. But, it, uh, in that time I had this epiphany and, uh, I said, you know what? I, I, I really didn't like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with construction. I think it's an honorable profession, you know, that they, they make, they make decent money, but I really, I really you know, for, for me, what made me happy was to to go out and explore and finally be free of of the burden of, of thinking uh, that maybe one day I might get killed or, you know, with the streets, you know, how ugly they can be. And, and, and things have happened to me in the past where, you know, I could say that um, God was... God was walking by my side all the way, all the way through, yeah. you know, I've been shot and stuff and it's been a hell of a ride for me. And, uh, photography was just this great release for me. And, uh, the first time I, I, I made my first picture that I thought was, was, was pretty decent, let a little bit of a, a load off my shoulders if you will, it kind of like, it made me feel good about myself because I did something that I worked on. It wasn't cheating. It was something that I, I, it may sound a little bit dramatic to you, but coming from where I came from and all that was going on, it, it was, it was something very uh, special about, 
me being able to make a photograph. And I know it sounds silly today because the age of cell phones, for crying out loud, everybody's taking pictures. I don't know how many pictures are uploaded each day, probably trillions, but for me, it was something rewarding. And when I found out that I could take a nice photograph and it, and it was gratifying to me, I pursued it even even more and with with a, with a lot of passion. So how much of an understanding did you have of street photography when you started taking to the streets? Was that sort of a focus of your of your self-study? Well, I tell you, I knew the streets. So what better thing to shoot than the streets? That's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, to me, it was... It was uh, shoot what I know, uh, and I knew the streets. Not that I would take a picture of anybody doing something illegal. That's not my style, or you know, it's just not what I I would do. But um, people, like I said, from a young age, always fascinated me. So I took to people, and you know, the the, the little differences that we all have, but at the same time, we're all similar. So we we could all, for me, we could all identify with each other because I feel that we're like little fragments of each other. We just, we don't take the time. Well, I'll, I'll say it in, in eye terms. A lot of times I didn't take the time to, to really look and to see the, those fragments and people that are, that are really made up of each other. We're, we're all nothing but mirrors of each other in one way or another, I believe. Being a photographer and having a website is more than just showcasing your work. I mean, that's a part of it. But for some, making money to either earn a living or just to pay for the hobby becomes an important part of having a web presence. One of the ways that photographers do this is by selling their work directly to fans, whether it's in the form of prints, calendars or ebooks it's a great way to get your work to the people who love it well squarespace makes it easier for you to do this not only by showcasing your work in a beautiful way but by creating an engine through which you can promote and sell your work and now it's been made all the easier for people to pay you for your work with the addition of apple pay as an accepted means for payment for those who use the stripe system for their merchant store on squarespace You want to make it easy and convenient for people to pay you for your work, and Squarespace demonstrates how it continues to do just that for all its users. But whether or not you have an intention to sell your work or not, you should discover why Squarespace is the best choice when it comes to creating a website for you and your work. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. I mean, it's really interesting because you, you said that you photograph people that are on the fringes. Yeah, and- well, you know, I got, I got, I got, <laughs> I got labeled. I got labeled, you know, that was taken a little bit out of context. Okay. I do enjoy a uh, photograph because I empathize with uh, a lot of these people mm-hmm. because I know what struggles about. Uh, but I do take, you know, I, I, I make photographs that are, that are, uh, that are outside the fringes. That's say. yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's really kind of interesting because what I'm, you know, what I hear from you in terms of how you're coming up and feeling like an, an outsider 
and, mm-hmm. and you're photographing people that are typically seen as outsiders. I mean, these aren't the people that you see in TV or typically see in magazines, but they're, right. they're definitely a part of our communities and, and our, and our culture. And it seems mm-hmm. like you take that your own feeling of, of being an outsider, of being relegated to invisibility, let's say, to some degree. And you use your camera to kind of show the world and anybody who sees your picture. You make these people visible much the way you you weren't when you were growing up. Exactly. I mean, you know, I can't I can't speak as eloquent as you do. I I I, I commend you for your <laughs> for your, for the way you speak. But uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a simple guy, like I said. I um, but you couldn't have said it any better. And um, yeah. So were you first like making photographs within your own neighborhood? And when did you start exploring like other, you know, other boroughs and other communities with your with your camera? You know, I would never go and shoot down on 18th Avenue like where I grew up (laughs) because number one, I I needed to stay far away from anybody uh, that I grew up with because it was just a parole. It was a it was a. It was a condition of my parole that I I was not to talk to anybody that was affiliated with anybody. You know, everybody that I know was affiliated with each other. So I had to stay away from that area. And uh, so I took uh, mainly to outside the that area, which is pretty much still my my hometown, but which is Coney Island and, and Brooklyn. And I, I, I focused on, on, on Coney Island for a while. And what happened was, while I ventured out into the streets, I realized how many homeless, you know, there was so many homeless people. And this is what kind of uh, made me feel a sort of empathy for them. While I was out photographing them, I mean, it was almost impossible not to, not to, to be curious about these people because... They were everywhere, and it was it was really it was it, in a way it was very sad it was saddening, but in a way it was an opportunity for me to break the ice and kind of because I spoke their language, it was a kind of a way of an opportunity for me to to try uh, to try an attempt to get in, to get inside of some of these people as far as. Uh, to talk to them and and, and uh, communicate with them and see if if I was successful at it and and I did I, I um, and that's how I met the the person that probably introduced you on on the show I believe um, through one of the publications I at the time I had I, there was uh, Nat Geo does this does this. Uh, like for, for amateurs, amateur photographers, they do these contests uh, for, uh, it's called Your Shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maggie, Maggie Steber was one of the judges for the Daily Dozen. And I had, and I had met this woman on, on a food line and, um, and she spoke Italian and I, was, I speak fluent Italian somewhat fluent Italian in dialect. But anyway, I overheard her speaking and she was begging for an extra bologna sandwich for one of her kids. And I approached her and uh, and I said, let me buy you, um, you know, a burger. And, uh, you know, she looked at me kind of funny and sideways. I had a, I had a camera. She just, she, she, she at first, and I just, 
at first she didn't trust me, of course, because obviously she was she was uh, she knew the street well and mm-hmm. that she was a little cautious. But I think uh, the fact that I spoke her, her language and the fact that I kind of knew about the street made her comfortable enough to to uh, to come along and have a, a hamburger. And then later on, but that day, I wound up in a home, and she had told me her life story, and that was the first time I took uh, my first uh, reportage <laughs> photograph, <laughs> uh, I guess, if you will. I'm not sure how you pronounce that word. I never yeah, did. You no. got it perfectly. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. Um, so yeah, and so then I that was published in. Um, and that geo it ran is they do it as daily dozen every every day they pick 12 photographs from all over the world and they and they choose 12 photographs from everybody you know that submits and i and i got chosen and i was completely i was like wow like i thought it was a big deal because it was national geographic you know but Maggie had written this beautiful, you know, this, you know, if to me it was something like, wow, somebody from National Geographic wrote this beautiful thing. And, and it kind of made me, it kind of empowered me. It made me feel that there might be something to, uh, to this, that, that I, that, that more than I know, you know, I might be good at, at something, you know? And, and so uh, that, that pushed me, a little further and it, and it kind of pushed me in the direction of, of, of trying to uh, get closer to people more and more. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the key thing about your photographs is that you don't hesitate to get close and personal with your subjects. And you know, there's a, been a big explosion in street photography, but when I take a look at a lot of the work, uh, the stuff is often shot like eight to 12 feet away you yeah. know, at a distance. And you know, you're not shooting that way. You're shooting close. You're using flash. Did yeah. did getting close uh, was that easy for you at the beginning, or is that was that something that you had to sort of get over and train yourself to do um, to get that intimate with people? In the beginning, I have to say, I have to admit, it was a little it was a little daunting. It was it was uh, a little intimidating. But in the, I was I would just use the comparison of, of what I was doing on the street. I mean, for crying out loud, that was nothing compared to what I was doing on the street. So I, I use that as a, as, as, a, as a point of reference. If I could do what I was doing on the street, this is a walk in the park for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't in a way where I was abusing people or, or kind of, you know, I see, I see and, I, and, I, and I pull their cards all the time. I see people shooting from the hip. And they're shooting me, and I, I'm no, I'm, I'm nothing to shoot. I mean, I don't know why, but I see a lot of young guys. You know, I see them in the city. You know, walking the streets, shooting from the hip, or shooting with this like little invisible, their their, their little uh, spy camera. I call them spy cameras, cell phones, mm-hmm. because you can get an inch away from a person and shoot with a cell phone and get away with it. Of course, you can. But um, my whole point is that um, you know, it, it was. It was easier in, 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 in contrast to what I was doing. So, and I loved it so much. I didn't feel I was doing anything wrong. And it might sound a cliche, you know, I love it so much. You know, I didn't feel like I'm doing anything wrong. 
But uh, sometimes I did feel that I was uh, crossing a line of, of respect. And, 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 that, and those are the times where I would assure the people that it was, it was purely out of, out of respect for them and out of respect for what I love to do that I was taking the photo. Yeah, and having, having your experience of just living out in the streets as a kid and living in a neighborhood where you develop those street smarts, you learn how to, how, you know, to disarm situations, and you also know what can escalate a situation. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's important for these, I believe, you know, there's a, like you said, there's an explosion of street photography. And, and I see a lot of the same type of photographs. And I believe that for me, it was important for me to set precedent, set a different type of style, because I wanted to be different. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of create my own fingerprint, if you will, and and if that was uh, not the norm, then and then so be it. I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to take pictures of people through, you know. I don't want to take pictures of silhouettes, and I mean, I could do that. I could take artsy, uh, silhouette-y, You know, I can go out at twilight and take pictures of long shadows and and colorful, you know, I can do that, but I just choose not to. I choose to get up and get close, and uh, I really want to get down into the guts of people and, and show the soul. I want to show what we're made out of. You started incorporating flash into your work. What led you to start doing uh, using flash? Because your, your images are, are really amazing, especially because of the way that you use color. And, and a lot of that is directly attributable to the fact that you're using flash to sort of illuminate your subjects, to bring out the detail and the color. But how did you come to decide to start incorporating flash rather than just shooting strictly ambient light? Well, uh, ambient light, I got to say, is beautiful, and I love it. And I think, uh, I think I'm going to be using ambient light for my next project. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of up in the air with it. But if, if not, I'm going to have to use, you know, you know I'm probably going to use ambient light uh, for, my new, for my new series. But the flash, I feel, I, I, I think I picked it up watching Bruce Bruce Gilden and Martin Parr and uh, Diane Arbus used Flash a lot. I think it brings a certain, uh, it just brings out, it just brings out, uh, it, it brings out a certain, uh, like, electricity out of a photo, I think, you know? It kind of, kind of, kind of makes, kind of makes it pop a bit, you know? And uh, the photographs that I like to take, I think it's it's important for them to to be a bit a bit more to show a little more energy, you know, because of what uh, you know aesthetically. Aesthetically, for me, you know, I, I want to show that that like what I put into the photograph as well. Mm -hmm. I think it also shows how how I execute my 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 photo. If it makes any sense, I don't know. But um, it's kind of what I have inside of me, too. It's kind of electricity-like, I guess. Yeah, no, I get it. You know what I mean? It's just weird. It's just because I just like to, like, you know, like, it's almost like bang. Like, you know, like, like it's just, for me, it's just like an, it's an adrenaline rush when I, when I, and especially with a flash when I'm not asking permission. And it's, it's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, you, you, you're wondering what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I, I have an idea, 
what people might say, I, I still, there's still always that mystery behind what's going to happen afterwards. And that, and that, that, that part of the photo as well, I believe making the photo. Do you find that uh, sometimes you have a difficult time making the photograph? Cause you know, you're, you're not going to be invisible. It's going to be obvious to someone that you're making the photograph. Do you, do you have days where you, where you struggle <laughs> making the photograph? Yeah, I have it all the time. I tell my friends, sometimes I want to smash the camera. I really, sometimes I, I get so frustrated because I could walk for hours and, you know, and and just know that I have to grab a photo. Like, it's almost a, an addiction for me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cure. And it's, it's it, 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 it just, it, it just... I, I I tell you, ever since I picked up the camera, it's just been hard for me to put it down. But the question was, does it does it uh, do you do I find it difficult to approach a, um, a subject? Yeah, especially when you when you're not going to be asking permission at first, when you're just going to go up and make the make the snap. Because I know sometimes for me, it's very easy to go ahead and make the picture, and the other times where I'm just fighting with myself to get past my own anxiety and my own fear to make the photograph. There's, there's times, there's times when that happens. I can't deny that. Of course there is. I mean, I think everybody suffers. I think everybody not suffers, but I think everybody struggles with that, with, with that. Should I take this photo? The guy's gigantic. He might kill me or, you know, (laughs) it could be something, any of that nature, or, or I might get hit with a pocketbook. Who knows? The joy of the joy of photography and the joy of making the photo uh, supersedes the, the, that fear for me. I guess nine out of ten times. So I go ahead and take and roll the dice. Like I said, I roll the dice on the street. So why not roll the dice? You know, on a photograph. And from what I saw in some of the videos, you are very disarming in terms of what you know what you do after someone you know asks you about why you're making the picture. Because I think. At least from my experience, most people are wondering why you're making their photograph. Yeah, sure. You have to have a little bit of finesse. You have to know how to charm people as well. I believe you know, I, and it's 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 not it's not really charming. Maybe I'm not using the proper word, but you have to let them. You have to communicate with them that they're they're more important than the photo. For me, for me, the person is more important than the photo, and. Uh, I make them understand that I do it because I absolutely love to do it. And the reason why that I'm photographing them is because I feel that they are that special where I, I, I'm drawn to them to take the photograph. And there's something about them that I feel that I want to take. And, you know, if they don't, if they don't agree and they don't want to take it, then I won't take it. But uh, when I do approach people is, you know, uh, like for a pose, I mean, you'd be surprised, you know, um, what I've done. I mean, I've had people lay down and, and, and move their heads around and it just, it's just amazing how, what a little confidence would do. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, so it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's all, I guess, uh, on, on how you, how you, uh, how I, uh, how I how I show how I show you know a common you know courtesy and respect for for the for the subject or for the person. When did you start getting the sense that you were producing consistently good work? I, yeah, I am my worst critic. 
I constantly look for a better photograph. And when I when I thought I had something, when I thought I had something uh, that you know that I, I was able to take some decent photos, was when um, when you know people started telling me time and time again, you know, you should show your work, you should show your work. Why aren't you showing your work? I mean, I wasn't showing my work for a long for you know since two thousand since I started. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I mean, I mean, besides Instagram or whatever, I would post it. And that, I think, started, what, a year ago? It, uh, because I always compared myself to, you know, uh, all the great photographers out there, you know. You know, everybody, you know, everybody pulls uh, Bersan out of their hats or, you know, Avedon and all these, you know, great you know, you know. So I, I never compare myself to an average an average photographer. I always pick, compared myself to to the best. And so I would look at my work and look at their work, and I'd be like, I suck. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like people are like, yo, like you don't suck, man. These are good photos, and and I think you should show them. And I'd be like, I'm not yet, not yet. And it wasn't until this year, really, to where like. Um, I started doing a little bit of the beach work that I thought that I said I might have something here and let me give it a shot and uh, and uh, you know I I took another I took another class and uh, got a, some opinions from people and 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 they were they were really they really you know they they dug my photos and 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 I said you know what let me just start showing some people and and then. And it's it's a remarkable. I got remarkable response in the last in the last week and a half. I can't tell you. It just it just exploded like from all over, from all over. I'm talking all the way to Asia to you know Belgium today. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm getting I'm getting uh, I'm getting uh, offers for shows in the UK. It's it's really strange. It's really strange. Well, it's it's not strange for me when I take a look at your photographs because, <laughs> man, you, you exhibit just looking at your Instagram feed. There is just a level of consistency there um, that is kind of rare to see uh, in in many photographers who post on Instagram. And I, and uh, you know, it's it's you know, you sometimes you see some really good photographs and you see some other photographs that are okay. But you know, you have a real clear vision of what you are trying to say in your photographs and what you're expressing. And I think that really comes through even beyond your choice of subject matter. Um, right. And it's like what you said before. It's like you photographed what you know. And, and as common a trope as that is, you know, you're a great example of why that is still very true, that if you photograph what you know and you photograph what you care for, um, mm. once you get past the technical challenges of just learning how to make a decent well-composed photograph that who you are comes through in your pictures. I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a type, I'm not the type of person that, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, run around, you know, in fo- photography clubs and I didn't rub elbows and, you know, with, with, uh, with gallery folks and, and stuff like that. I was kind of private with my work because I felt, uh, you know, I really, I, I felt that I maybe, maybe I didn't, uh, it's important what you're saying, trust me, because, um, and, 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 and it goes back to also the, the kind words of, of what, uh, what was said, uh, 
what was said in that National Geographic, that first uh, that first um, time I was picked for that uh, Daily Dozen thing on National Geographic. Um, you know, sometimes uh, wor- words from others can can do a lot. Some kind words can go a long way, and um, you know, especially when you're when you're living you're living a, a lifestyle full of lies for a long period of time, and then you come into a reality where where everything is so foreign. You really you really just don't know what's what's who's being real and who's not. Mm-hmm. And it's only through moving forward and and and, and testing your, testing the waters that you really find out who you are. And and I believe that it's it's you know in, especially in this field, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that that, that uh, cut throats and they're, they're just constantly. You know, I've seen people go on the computers and, and just trash people rather than help them and point out what's what they're doing wrong in a nice way. They'll just trash their work, you know, which, you know, some people, especially photographers, I find them to be very sensitive people. They're very in tune with their feelings. And I and I and I am. I'm one of those guys. I'm I'm in tune with my feelings. So I think it, you know, sometimes, you know, like you said, you know, the you know, even you know, you're saying you what about my work. For me, that's more important. That's more important. You know, a stranger saying that your work is good is is much more important than than somebody that I know saying that my work is is good because mm-hmm. you know it's just it makes you know maybe I'm rambling on, but it's just hard to explain for me. No, I, I get it completely. Your work is just so so good and consistent. It really is heartening, and uh, just that you also the fact that you bring a sincere heart to the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I see a lot of street photography, especially, you know, the kind of people that you photograph often. And, you know, there's just a disconnect. And I, I really see that you really care. And uh, I, I'm more than pleased to sort of showcase somebody who brings both to the table in terms of the photography. It shows their, their, their skills as a photographer, but also kind of reveals their humanity. Because I think... You know, too many people just see people on the street as fodder for the photography and don't care beyond that. Exactly. I think I'd like to add also, if if you can, if I can, I th- I think people, I think society is really they're they're forgetting what the importance of what photography is all about. And if if it wasn't for 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 this medium, I mean, for crying out loud, we would have no reference points to what to our founding fathers and and and, and inventions and, and whatnot. I mean, photography has taught us, you know, visually. Uh, I mean, people take it for granted. It's just it's it's just an incredible tool that I feel that that is is just being overused with with uh, with the cell phones with the use of cell phones and I think people need to to really take a step back and and really look at who's behind these these amazing photographs that that are bringing history and 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 culture to the world you know with all the recognition that you're getting and all the sort of coverage that your work is getting and the offers that you're getting like for an exhibit and all these other things how are you feeling about you know because this is something that a lot of people would love to have right they dream of their work being recognized and getting published getting shows but it also is a 
can be really intimidating because it's a completely new and different world. So how are you feeling right now? Because you're like in that sort of transition from just shooting for yourself to discovering that there's an audience out there for your work. It's a bit overwhelming, I got to tell you. You know, I, I this morning, I, you know, and I leave my phone on because I never get phone calls. I'm a very private person, and and uh, you know, when my phone rings, it's either <laughs> it's either my girlfriend or my mother or my sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you know, maybe some just, you know uh, a friend of mine. You know, something. Very very seldom do I get a load of phone calls, but my phone was just ringing and buzzing and and making all kinds of noise through the night and uh i woke up i'm like what is this i'm looking at my my uh it's just amazing it's just amazing how many positive positive uh how much positive feedback i'm getting on my work and how how they they're taken to it so yeah i gotta say it's a bit it's a bit intimidating in a way not intimidating but it's it's a bit mind-blowing to me you know I never thought that people would actually like my work, you know, and, and it's and then I'm being truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of young kids call me to go shooting and and, and, and they're like, man, man, you don't know. Like they, they all they always tell me, you know, they call me and I think, you know, yeah, I'm OK. But a lot of times they're like, yo, you know, you, 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 your work is really good, man. You should really show it. I'm, and I just never, I never tried to show it. And now I really, I'm starting to think that maybe, <laughs> maybe I got something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm a little confused about it all. Like, you know, I'm a little, um, you know, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. Do you find yourself connecting? Because I know Maggie is the one is the one who suggested that I, I talk to you. Uh, but yeah. do you find that you know that you're connecting with other photographers? Are you still feeling like you're a lone wolf? How are the relationships that you're building with other people helping you with your with your career? I think I think because of I think because of my past, I, I've I've become somewhat very selective of who I talk to and uh, who I trust as far as, as far whatever, whatever, you know, aspect of life I'm dealing with. Um, but slowly I'm, I'm, I'm opening up. It's hard for me because I felt like I just uh, parachuted into, into this world. And, uh, you know, now I'm supposed to be this, you know, uh, this positive figure, you know, when all my life, you know, all I knew was the streets and, you know, crime and whatnot. So all this is very new to me. You know, the photography is new to me. Making new friends is new to me. You know, so it's, 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 it's one day at a time for me. Maggie has been supportive. I must say she's, she's, she's been supportive and uh, she's a busy woman, you know, she has a lot going on and, and she takes a, you know, she still takes a time out every once in a while and drops me a letter and, 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 and supports me and, and kind of guides me and, and warns me about certain things. And, and, uh, and, and it's in, like I said, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's people that you barely know that, that mean, that go, they, the, the words go much farther than, 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 um, than people that you do know, because, 
they have no reason to lie to you. I mean, what, what is she, why would she, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, I'm very selective, but I do, I am making a few, few friends in, in, uh, in the business. But like I said, because of my lifestyle, it's hard for me to trust people. And then it's, it's a slow process, yeah. but it's, it's, I'm getting there. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Can I give you two names? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Elias Williams. And he he has a lot to do with the Bronx Documentary Center. Okay. And... Nina Robinson. She works. She she also she also plugged into the Bronx uh, Documentary Center. I met them actually at a workshop that Maggie was given, and I think that they they're really their heart is really in it, and they're two young they're two young uh, two young people that that I think uh, are going to go real far as long as they keep pushing. You know, you know, keep keep up. Pushing, pushing, uh, you know, following their, their their dreams with their photography. Well, then you know, thank you so much for appearing on the show. It was a real pleasure to have the chance to sit down and talk with you. But it was real. It was a real pleasure. It really was. It was. It, it was great. Thanks for having me. Really. Thanks again to Donato for joining us here at The Candid Frame. You can check out his work at DonatoDeCamillo.com and on Instagram. Remember that you can and do play a big role in introducing others to the work that we do here at The Candid Frame. Take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store if you haven't already. Thanks to Elaine Osi from Belgium and Rope Zen from Australia for their five-star reviews. You can also support the show by making a regular monthly contribution through Patreon. You can contribute amounts of $2, $5, $10 or more, or anything in between on a monthly basis and help make a big difference to the work we do here at TCF. Visit patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame, or you'll find a link in the show notes and The Candid Frame website. Thanks to everyone for their continued support. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor. You can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Our senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.